Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. My name's Katie. And my name's Kyle. And this is Her First Trek, a Star Trek review podcast. Mine all mine. Yeah, like you are her. You are the capital H. Oh wow, okay. No pressure. (laughs) No pressure. This show (laughs) is about you. Like you literally might as well have your name in the title. That is a lot of pressure. Are you regretting this all of a sudden? Oh yeah. (laughs) But I think you're probably regretting it. For different reasons. Oh, though. many, many. They so, are copious. So when we started advertising this show and, and doing it now as well, we've kind of banked on people knowing us from our previous work, which was on Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast, which is the first thing that got you into the podcast game, mm. particularly the Star Trek one. So we need to clarify a few things for anyone listening for the first time ever to us, though. We're not going to do a full introduction to you because... We did that in the first episode of Blast Shield. So if anyone wants to find out more about Katie and... Um, you make me sound like a celebrity. You are a celebrity. I'm yeah. really not. Yeah. <laughs> you can find that on Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. We're on all the major podcast apps and players. So that's you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or Amazon Music, I think it's part of. I'm not sure how it works. Uh, we're on all of them. Find us, subscribe to that, and listen to all our reviews as well of Star Trek Lower Decks. But we decided that we didn't have enough on our plates that we needed to do a new podcast. And I suggested this to you because I was having so much fun with you on Lower Decks. I think you were genuinely getting so upset that it was going to be over soon. I was. I was starting to really hate the idea that our weekly discussions were going. Because, you know, it, it was it was pressure with that show because we'd drop on a Thursday, we'd see it by the Friday, we'd have to record on either the Friday night or the Saturday, I'd have to edit on the Saturday and get it available to the Holosuite Media guys for the uploads so that it would be ready to drop at 8am GMT time, so it was 9am technically at the time because we were in British summertime. I really enjoyed the shows and people enjoyed listening to it, but I really hated the pressure of the edit. I really wanted to do something with you where we could keep the fun and the conversation and the fun we have talking on these shows uh, without that pressure with the edits. And so combined with how well the first few weeks went of Blast Shield, I was kind of thinking, I've got to rope her in to something else. What can I do? What can I do? So I started talking to Steve at Hollow Street Media. He's the uh, the head honcho, so to speak. Though you'd never find him calling himself that. You find that head honchos don't normally. No, he's a he's a great guy, and he's a, he, God. He's done so much so much for me and all my projects on on Hollow Street Media. So. God bless you, Steve. If you ever have a free minute to listen to any of the shows. <laughs> yeah, so I chatted to Steve about doing something else with you and we were looking at, you know, what, what could we do? What can we do? I was really keen to get your view on the older treks. Now, this is where we have to make everyone fully aware that you're not a trekkie. Oh, you guys. At I all. am not a trekkie. At all. At all. But you have seen newer trek. So yeah. I forced you to watch Discovery with me. 
Uh, we've told the story before, but eventually, you know, you like to discover is. Uh, we're excited to always watch it each week now. Picard, you enjoyed without knowing anything about Picard's mm. character. And I think you couldn't have watched Picard without me. You could have enjoyed it enough, but I was able to ex- fill some gaps for you maybe that yeah. you wouldn't have had. Because I have watched Star Trek my whole life and I'm, I'm 34. And then Lower Decks came along and you weren't sure, but we knew you liked animated comedies. So I was mm. confident you may like it. And you did really like Lower Decks. Between all that, I managed to get you to watch Enterprise. Yeah. Now, Enterprise is my favorite Trek, so I don't want anyone thinking that we're just missing it off this show. The reason we're not covering Enterprise on this show is because you've seen it all, mm-hmm. and you really were into it. In fact, I do the Expanse of Star Trek Enterprise podcast, and uh, you sometimes walk in on me when I'm... God, that sounds wrong, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you catch me I at it. I was like, where is he going with this? So you walk in and catch me when I'm doing my dirty research for my uh, weekly recordings. We all know of that, that. You, how you feel about Archer. Oh man, I'm all for Archer. Mm. I, oh God, I I am all for Archer. You really are. I was looking at pictures of him earlier, actually. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just looking at pictures of him innocently, and thinking, <laughs> man, I loved his look in season three and four. It was pictures from the um, from Terra Prime, the penultimate episode, the real mm. final episode, mm. and when he's making his big hopeful speech. Oh. at the end I can't remember that might be the last time we've seen Archer in the show but anyway I was um, in the proper show I'm not talking about these are the voyages but yeah we're not covering it because you've seen it so what we're doing on this show is I've basically managed to convince you to watch the older shows so yeah. TOS TNG DS9 and Voyager and I'm not sure how I've done it I'm not sure I'm what... really not sure I'm waiting for you to cash something in oh it's coming Oh, God. Oh, God. You look afraid. I do. Well, yeah, because I'm worried about what this could be. You should be. <laughs> I'm trying to think of previous... Technically, this is like a multi-year commitment. So I'm thinking, if you're going to cash in, what could it be? It wouldn't, it's not like me saying, oh, can I go to an event for one night somewhere? And you're saying, fine, but I'm going to want this in return. This is like, if I'm making you commit to this for several years, what the hell? Really, you should just feel flattered that I'm in it for the long haul. <laughs> I am. Well, yes, it's maybe. I don't mean. I don't mean in track for the long haul. Oh, I mean with in me. it for the long haul. Yeah, I took. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I've taken. I, I take that as a vote of confidence. Good. And I'm playing the long game myself. Actually, I should let you know. This whole thing is an elaborate plot to ensure that our future wedding is track themed. Do you know what? If you had said that to me a couple of months ago. I would have been so mad. Now, I'm not completely against the idea. Ooh! (laughs) Wow. And this is before we've even sunk our teeth into the entire franchise. So the way we look at it is we've got about, I don't know, 600 or 700 episodes of Star Trek to, well, force Katie to watch. And uh, I'm confident, given the way she's enjoyed the other shows, that she'll like these. But we have to appreciate that Katie has watched the other shows and struggled with how old they look. They're not even Mm. widescreen, guys. I'm going to really educate Katie on proper good TV. And I did that through HD, uh, 69 ratios, widescreen, whichever. Tell, tell them about the TV in my apartment. Okay, so when I first started, <laughs> when we first started uh, dating, if you could call it that, um, I don't ever remember going on a date with you. No. We were just... It was like, oh, hey, we're hanging out with each other every minute of every day. We should probably do something about this. You were this. like, are we together now? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> do we need to put a label on it? Labels. Labels. You have a label maker. <laughs> I, I didn't have one. No. So it's like you completed me. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't the 
label make it sound like something I would have? It does sound like something you'd have. But I also used to have a laminator until it got stolen from me. And people... But I have a laminator now. Do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. Wow. We, we do complete each other. <laughs> we digress. Yeah. I... If you <laughs> haven't heard us before, we go off topic all the time. So I do apologise for Sorry. that. To the point where I can't even remember what I was just talking about. So, uh, Oh, my TV. Oh, your TV was tiny. It was like, oh, my God. The screen was smaller than our microwave door. That's not even an exaggeration. That's kind of true. I think it was small. Like it was, yeah, it was like half the size of that. I was horrified because I already had my like fifty inch. That I'd yeah, I'd set never in my seen apartment before. I saw that that TV in your apartment. I had never seen a TV that big in real life in my life. Yeah, I know she's big, and she, and you get kind of used to her. Yeah. So you forget how big she is until you go to somewhere where there's a smaller one and then you come see this one again. And I think I've revealed this before on our other show. She has a name. She does. Her name is Sally and she is the other woman in my life. She's the first woman in your life. She's your number one. She, well, you know, if it came down to a choice, it's going to cost me a thousand pound to replace Sally, but we haven't worked out how much she would cost to replace it. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm the trackie here. I'm the one who's going to have to be... I'm the one who's getting replaced if this goes wrong. <laughs> so on this episode, we're talking about the premiere episodes of all the shows. A little bit of a change-a-roo, change-around with TOS, but we'll we'll come on to that one. We'll explain that to you all when we get there. We're doing uh, TOS, TNG, DS9, and Voyager premiere episodes. Um, you've watched them all, so I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on them. So we're going oh, blind. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I'm, I mean, I'm worried about this. You've got a smile on your face right now, so that could be a sadistic smile. It's a poker face. Poker face. Don't poke my face. Poke her face. I am her. You are her. <laughs> we should just rename you as her on the show. Her. I am her, and he is Kyle. That makes me sound like an object. That would be, yeah, that would be part of my other long-term ambition, to just, like, remove all sense of identity from you. Christ. Yeah, sick. You try to assimilate me. <laughs> yes, I am trying to assimilate. This is brilliant. I'm loving these like references. This is going really well, guys. <laughs> I got loads. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, so um, we've been chatting for way too long, which we do all the time anyway. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Well said. Hashtag. So we're going to get into our thoughts. So you're going to hear a little bit of combadge, tapping and all sorts of sounds during this to break up the segments. But yeah, let's get to your thoughts then. Set a course. Engage. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You've become a dork already. And we haven't even watched 700 episodes of Star Trek yet. <laughs> I despair at myself. So the first Star Trek pilot that we've watched, or premiere episode, as part of this journey that you're on, was from TOS. Now, for days, we thought we were going to do The Cage, which was obviously the first ever Star Trek produced. It was in 1965. But I had a feeling, I don't know why, even though I know your association with Pike through Discovery, I had a feeling The Cage wasn't the right place to start. So I thought, let's get it going with Kirk. Now, the pilot that was made with Kirk was not actually the first episode of Star Trek to air. Now, that was the man trap. The pilot they made... Uh, where no no man has gone before was actually I think aired as like the fifth episode or fourth, but it wasn't it wasn't the first. But we decided to do that one because because it was made as a pilot. Some people say you should watch the show in the order it was made. Some people say you should do it by release order. Where what we're doing is we're doing where no man has gone before, and then we're going back to the man trap and working through uh, in that order. Then so we did where no man has gone before, 
and this was probably the first time you've sat there with me and watched an episode of Star Trek from the 60s. Mm-hmm. You've had it on in the background before, like when you've been doing dishes and I've been watching it with Harrison. But this was your first time. Yeah, this is the episode that got them to make the show of Star Trek. I, I, I can believe that. I can believe that. bit more action. Wasn't quite as controversial as the cage had been because the cage had, you remember number one from Discovery? Mm-hmm. Uh, the cage had number one in it. It's actually um, who Gene Roddenberry had gone on to marry. And apparently the network didn't like the idea of not so much of a woman being on the bridge because we end up getting that with a hoorah, but such a prominent role on the bridge. So mm. uh, they could only go so far with what they were doing. So that's why she's not in... Progressive, but yeah. not too progressive. Yeah, that's why she's not in this episode. Yeah, so we see we introduced Kirk. The basic premise for this episode, because we're not going to do deep dives on this show. That's not what this is about. The basic premise is that Kirk uh, is on a... They're on a mission... They find a black box from a destroyed vessel, I think, basically, or a probe, I can't remember. They find out that previous crew have all been killed. Gary Mitchell, one of the crew, is affected by some, like, I guess, like, it looks like electric, doesn't it? Like, lightning thing on the bridge. And he starts to turn into, like, this godlike being, slowly, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. So he starts to lose his sense of morals. And as Kirk picks up on, even when Kirk is trying to think that there's a way out of it even he's starting to pick up on comments that Mitchell's making and uh, this eventually leads to them taking to a planet on Spock's advice where they would leave him there and Kirk creates a fallback option of having to blow up pretty much the whole surface of the planet if he has to to kill Mitchell uh, he does eventually manage to beat him and uh, and that's the episode over basically and that's the pilot of Star Trek and they carry on on their mission on the edge of known space so you've stayed very quiet I've just been talking for a few minutes Tell our listeners what you thought of this episode of Star Trek. Well, like you said, it's the first time I'm sitting there watching, and not even just 60s Trek, 60s shows. I'm mm. not one to go back in time for TV. Um, I yeah. like current stuff. I like having stuff that other people can talk to me about, you know? I know I have you to talk about with this and, yeah. and everything, but I am in two minds right now. Okay. My first mind is that I really enjoyed the storyline. It's a really good story. Really enjoyed that. That's why I thought this would be better for you than, than the cage. Yeah, I really, really did enjoy it. Everything about it was so good, and I even really liked how brave they were with the ending of killing him off, mm. and the, even the the doctor who was there as well, killing her off. Because that's not something. I mean, and we do kind of see that now with modern TV shows, like you know, killing everybody. Well, it wasn't a happy ending, was it? No, it wasn't. Because you know, Kirk lost a friend and. Yeah almost completely passed me over in previous viewings that at one point because the only time he's able to really fight Mitchell is when Mitchell has the powers loses his powers for a few yeah, minutes he has to fight his friend and Kirk was about to smash his head in with a big rock Brutal. that was one of his oldest friends and like you don't it's think rough. of that with Star Trek you think of they're gonna phaser each other yeah no he was, he was gonna um, crush his he's gonna crush his skull with a rock yeah so I thought I thought that was great like it was really a really modern plot However, I found it very, very difficult to step back in time with the visuals of the whole thing. And yeah, and I don't think that would be so much of an issue if the show didn't take place after some of the shows that I've watched now. To me, it doesn't make any sense. So you're almost the reverse of the typical internet fan. I guess. The, of the very vocal minority who will complain that Discovery, Enterprise, Short Treks, I guess Strange New Worlds coming up, don't 
fit visually with TOS, even though they take place before. But visually, but people, they are incredible. Yeah, this is it. People are, people criticize Discovery and such for it, but because you've come in yeah. from the other side of it, you're actually critical of TOS because it looks older. Do you think actually the issue for you is that the cinematography is older? A little, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. show visually looks older. Not about, not so much about the sets, because it's like the music when something dramatic. Things happens. like, it's yeah. Like, so it's dun, the production dun, dun. you've got a problem with, really. Yeah. Yeah. The acting, great. Loved I, it. Kirk is great. William Shatner, right? He, he's obviously a little bit of a parody of himself sometimes, but he's a good actor. But you forget sometimes. I, like, you wouldn't know, but like I forget sometimes that he had really good work on Star Trek. He's famous for the broken, stilted dialogue and i know like family guy and stuff like that poke fun at it all the time but he does some really good work here in this episode and i know he does it for the rest of the show and you'll see that as well as we carry on with your your journey through trek yeah but shatner was great nimoy was great spock's a little bit out of character still they haven't quite nailed down spock no from what i know about vulcans he doesn't seem to fit with that right now which is stupid i guess because he's it was only the second episode that ever produced uh, with him. Yeah. He's in the cage, which you will eventually see, but he was in that, but he was smiling and stuff in that, which he wouldn't do later. And then What was the guy's name? Gary? Gary something? Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, he Mitchell. was great. He was very good, wasn't he? Really good. I feel sick at their eyes, though. Yeah. Oh, you know, God, like they, when they yeah, got like, the silver eyes. I think they're meant to be glowing, aren't they? Is that what's yeah. meant to be happening? Most of these I can't figure out. I can't figure it. out how they did it. I thought they didn't look uncomfortable, but then other times I thought they did look uncomfortable. Like the red, it was like red around no, was them. Was like red, maybe yeah. they had contact in or something. I know, it's odd though. Weird. It looks like there's like foil in their eyes. And it yeah, makes, oh, it, I know. Like, it triggers me a little bit with I my know. eyes start. I need to blink, like I need to blink I now. I'm just going to um, shut my eyes for the rest of this. <laughs> Luckily, we're only here to listen to your voice. Mm. So, did you have like a favourite part of this episode? Um, I really liked the fight scene at the end, just because it was so intense. Did you notice the stunt doubles? wasn't looking actually no i didn't <laughs> very clear stunt doubles was it yeah i mean back then they even on tv 15 years ago there yeah. was never a great job at hiding stunt doubles they're better at it now but yeah that was, yeah. A, good, that was a really good fight sequence enjoyed the you know kirk fu or whatever it's called kirk fu kirk yeah. fu but i was actually thinking maybe my criticism is more of not setting discovery further in the future i don't know why that wasn't a thing can you explain to me why but why discovery was before yeah I guess it has to work for the Spock thing, like being on there. But apart from that, there is literally no reason oh, that God, you couldn't now, have now put it in the future. They, yeah, well, they have technically now. Well, but, now they have, but yeah. well, there, there's all sorts of reasons for it. Brian Fuller created the show, but was never around to actually make it because he was sacked. He wanted to explore comments that had alluded to a Klingon conflict in TOS, so that's what we got on Discovery. Oh, but okay. in a way that I don't think quite meshes with TOS, but it's fine that that. That's up to each individual viewer to decide. And that era of Trek is, even though it's the most, it's the least explored era of Star Trek, really, that that time, uh, is the one that strikes a chord with with the viewing public and with Trekkies. But then people have been so funny about it. It's funny, isn't it? Like Star Trek 2009 was, I think if you include inflation, I don't think it beat the motion picture, but it's like one of the most successful Star Trek films ever. Smashed the previous film. Picard's last film. So like the brand is just strong with Kirk and Spock. So you have, if you connect it to Spock and such, it just worked. I have no problem with visual stuff because I, I'm about story. Mm. I don't really care about the visuals matching up. I, they make a close enough effort with uniforms and things. For me, it's about the story, like with Lower Decks, which we had at our Blast Shield podcast. I just close my eyes and think of Star Trek stories and I can think mm. of 
Lower Decks story is taking place in the same universe. It doesn't matter to me visually that Lower Decks is animated. I just feel like when I'm watching something that's so much older than I'm used to, it really takes me out of the moment that I have to wonder, how did they put that silver stuff in his eyes? Why do his eyes look like they're watering? Yeah. And then where's the string when he calls that We did over? wonder that, yeah. We were watching the remastered ones for people who's not sure. So we watched some of it and it might be that they've been fixed by being remastered it just it really takes me out of the story i because i did really enjoy the story i don't think that though is the i don't i don't think that is discovery looking newer and like why did they have to base it at a certain time i think that is the fact that you're watching a show from the 60s yeah so in your mind it has to take place before everything else because it's made almost 60 years ago no i was gonna say it reminded me of like charlie and the chocolate factory Mm. when i was watching it it felt like that kind of like and I guess at the time it must have cost a lot of money, but for me it, it feels cheap. But I guess it's a pilot as well, so maybe yeah. when I go to the next one I feel a bit Well, what you're going to see now in the next episodes is the uniforms will change uh, to become okay. what, you're, what you know of the famous like Trek colourful uniforms. The show will get a bit more colourful, a bit more brighter. It was a bit beige. <laughs> yeah, so we'll move away from that. And you'll be introduced to Bones, Dr. McCoy. Start to see Ahura, see Sulu properly. We saw Sulu in this one, but he wasn't in the role that we know him later being. Uh, you'll eventually meet Chekhov in the second season. And obviously Len- Leonard Nimoy perfects the Vulcan as we go as well. Mm-hmm. So things will become more familiar to you. But yeah, I would just always say that just close your eyes after and just imagine the story takes place 100 years after Archer, even if it doesn't look like I really it think that if that story were in like a, a more modern sort of cinema style, I would love it. I would, I, I would have called that one of my favourite stories I've seen on track. I've seen people argue that you don't remember the Benedict movie too well, if you've well. seen it I basically the whole way through. for him. So. Yeah, so you don't remember it at all. But I feel, and I think I've seen other people say, that Benedict Cumberbatch would have been better in that film being Gary Mitchell. And I remember before the film came out, when everyone suspected that Benedict Cumberbatch's identity, the character who's been named to be, is it John Harrison or something, wasn't the character that he actually was, and which turned out to be true. But a lot of people, I think, also thought he could be doing Gary Mitchell. Because I think the Gary Mitchell story we saw in this could be a movie. They could yeah, take it. And yeah. obviously the story has to change a bit. But you could yeah, you could take was... that. It gives you... You've got the Kirk with his old friend who's got this godlike being. That you is a spend movie. spend a bit of time. The only thing that I found difficult was to really appreciate as well how difficult it would be for Kirk to put him down. Because I was not invested in their friendship at all. Maybe as I go on later and I get to know characters a bit more i know mm. gary mitchell's not gonna be there is he no no he's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> i don't know um but maybe i'll get more invested in just like kirk and understand that if people are close to him i i don't know but i was a bit like oh you're gonna have to kill your friend that sucks you've known him for uh, 15 minutes or so that's <laughs> well you've known him yeah 15 yeah. minutes so final thoughts on where no man has gone before kind of old but we're sticking with it good you for need the to stories Yes, there we go. For the and to dispel the only thing I know about Star Trek, which is from Family Guy. Yeah. <laughs> and poor William Shannon doesn't get a, a good deal on that because they we just go. take the mic. So if anything, we're fixing your <laughs> perception of William Not Shatner. to say that they're mean about Star Trek because well, Seth MacFarlane just loves it, doesn't he? To the point where he's had to create his, own, his own rip-off. And he's in it. He's in Enterprise as well. So, Katie, your second Star Trek pilot or premiere episode... Uh, was TNG's, 
which you know what that means now. I, the next generation. You do, see? TNG. We can actually use the shorthand like abbreviations in our house now. Gold star for me. Yes, gold star for you. Encounter at Farpoint mm-hmm. is the uh, the first episode of The Next Generation. Uh, aired in, I guess it must be 1987. So as you're watching this, it's 33 years it's old. It's older than me. <laughs> it is older than you, yes. Not me, <laughs> unfortunately, but it is older than you. I'm going to do a little bit of a rundown of the plot for anyone listening to this who isn't familiar with it, uh, but I'm not sure why you're listening if you're not, but just in case. You're going to do a me. I'm good. What do you mean? To all the people who haven't seen it before and they want to dive in. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, it might be other people's first track. It might be. As well, not just yours. Uh, so, um, a breakdown of the plot. Jean-Luc Picard has taken command of the USS Enterprise D and is on his way to the Farpoint outpost to not only crack the mystery of the outpost, but also to pick up some of his new crew. On the way, he and some of his crew are kidnapped by an alien being known only as Q. Q takes them to a post-World War III court and charges them with all the violent crimes committed by humans across the centuries. Picard demands the opportunity to prove that humans have outgrown their more barbaric days, and Q reluctantly gives it to him. At Farpoint, one Will Riker can't believe that the aliens on the planet were able to build an outpost in such a quick amount of time. Uh, He also notices that anything he and the other Starfleet officers want seems to appear as if out of nowhere. I mean, I don't know why he's complaining. (laughs) I know, I know. I would kind of be like, I'm going to live here. Yeah. Yeah. When he eventually joins up with the Enterprise, there's a little bit of frostiness between he and Picard. Uh, because Picard takes issue with Riker's record of not letting captains go on dangerous away missions and things like that. Even though Riker maintains that it's for the safety of the captain and the ship needs its captain, Picard's argument back... I can see where he's coming from. Picard's argument back is that, but you would still disobey an order for it. I can't remember Riker's exact words, but basically says only ones that he thinks would would jeopardise the captain's life. Something like that. This gets resolved very quickly, though. Eventually, the Enterprise crew discovered that the aliens uh, were able to make such an impressive base because they had taken a huge space-being prisoner and were getting it to do their bidding because it has magical powers or something. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a more scientific there explanation probably is. There probably it. is. I probably could have gone on like Memory Alpha and found out. But Yeah, so Picard and his crew help free the creature and because this is a Gene Roddenberry script... The creature returns to its mate and flies off into the great (laughs) unknown. And that's pretty much it. And then we're going to go see what's out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Before you tell us your thoughts, because everyone listening to this is going to be wondering. We're going to have people who come over from Blast Shield. um, (laughs) We're going to be wondering your thoughts on this. And you, you know, you weren't too sure on TOS. So during this episode, I was worried that you were like, you didn't really say anything. No words were really spoken. I keep my cards close to my chest, I know, guys. I know, and I've realised this <laughs> with some of these track episodes. And so I was worried, and then I had to pause it for some reason to get up because the kids. We were trying to do this in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Kids were around, so it was a nightmare. Um, an hour, well, a forty-five minute episode of TV can take an hour and a half to watch sometimes on its own, just because of kids. And any parent here of young children will understand that. That's why we live for them to go to sleep. <laughs> so we can have the TV after eight o'clock. Amen. Yeah. And that's why we make sure our daughter does not nap in the yeah, afternoon. Yeah. We I don't, don't care how tired yeah, you are. We don't get the TV otherwise. So I paused it and I said, I was going to go get a drink or something. And you said something along the lines of... Hurry up. Yeah. 
And what Don't else take did you too say? long. Yeah. What else did you say? Nothing. And you were like, no. oh. I was like, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So I said, oh, really? Uh, because I, I thought you hated it. And you said, yes, I'm really, really, really enjoying this. Yeah. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> That was the exact face. The yeah. face you just pulled is the I exact face you did. I didn't know what to do. If I... <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was stood up in front of you. I think I had a plate in my hand. If I'd had like a, just a glass, like a wine glass, it would be one of those classic moments where someone drops the wine glass and it smashes and goes everywhere. Um, I did not expect that outcome. It was a big surprise for me too. TOS is rough in its first couple of years. And I warned you about that, didn't I? Mm-hmm. And so for you to be... Like, enjoying encounter at Farpoint. But, like, even your dad said, not really sure about the first bit. Oh, Christ, what are you doing watching that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but dad said that, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So when we and told, he knows his track. Yeah, when we told my dad that you're watching it, uh, had watched this, yeah, he was like, you know, why, why are you watching those? And That's so, not pretty defensive. Okay, so t- tell me then. Uh, confirm for everyone listening. After we pressed play again, uh, when I came back in, did you enjoy the rest of it? Yes, I did. Okay, so what did you I think? Did. Of, what, like, what did you like about the full episode, then? I don't know whether it's maybe that I have encountered some of these characters already just later on. So for me, this is like a prequel. Wow, that's a good... I never thought about I that. Th- I was thinking about it earlier, doing my best thinking in the shower, as you do. Yeah, <laughs> thinking about Star Trek in the shower, as oh, I now do, obviously. That's it, now you're a Trekkie. Yeah, and I was just thinking, like, I know Riker, and I know Troy, and I know Picard. Yes. Picard was like the first thing I knew about Star Trek through Family Guy. Yeah. Can I just intersect, like cut in there to say uh, for anyone who doesn't know us, uh, because they haven't really heard our other podcast, Blast Shield, the introduction that Katie's talking about that she's already had to characters is through Picard, Mm -hmm. the TV show. So obviously you've followed Picard on that. You've seen Riker show up twice, uh, Riker and Deanna together, married. So you know that all that tension with them in this episode, you know where it's headed. And I never thought about the idea that you'd be perceiving these this show is a as a prequel. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That that is gonna be for a lot of new trackies coming in. Yeah. Who've come in through like the likes of Picard. That's gonna be how they're gonna see next gen. I'm, I'm wondering though how many people will think to go back. No one else is a guide like you. So <laughs> there are so many before if you said if you'd mentioned Star Trek to me, I wouldn't have known where to start with yeah. which one and who which characters like I genuinely thought that Picard, Spock, Kirk like that they were all mates and wharf <laughs> well, i knew wharf it's funny it's funny you say that though that because spoilers but picard spock and kirk at various times do all interact with each other oh mm. well that's now a surprise to me mm. Mm. so you were kind of right without even knowing it yeah don't know if i'd call them mates and wharf you knew wharf because of family guy again yeah most of your treks come through Seth MacFarlane's. <laughs> like 90% of it. And yet we didn't enjoy the Orville when we tried it. No. No. Well, not, not Maybe that we didn't give enjoy it another it. go. Yeah, well, if you enjoyed TOS, <laughs> its first episode of season one, then maybe you will enjoy the Orville. It's like a love letter. That's interesting you call it prequel. I hadn't, I hadn't expected that. Mm. So Picard is obviously a bit different here, though, to how you know him from on yeah, Star Trek Yeah, but Picard. he was like a... <laughs> this is where my hilarious... Quite sick comments about him coming. Okay. Um, Are you revealing those on, on air? I don't know. Do you think I should? This is an X-rated yeah. show. Uh, no. Yeah, we can do that. If I bleep anything inappropriate, it's fine. Okay. Get the beep, but I'm ready for this. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. No, I just think he's really... Like, I really liked his character in Picard, but he's quite obviously, like, a lot older. He's quite frail. Yeah. 
So I believe him when he's like super strong Mm. in Picard, but I really, really believe him in TNG. I'm like, wow, he is the kind of captain I would like to serve under. It's not just, that's not all you were saying that's during not, it. No. Not just serving under, guys. Not just serving under. She's a she's a Picard girl all the way. She's embarrassed. No, now. I just said no. I said he would treat me like crap. Like <laughs> he'd make me feel like I'd done something so wrong. <laughs> and that you'd like that. Kinda. <laughs> Does it give you a different perspective on like you talk about Picard being a frail man in like in Picard, Star Trek mm. Picard? Does it like add a different dimension to that now having seen what yeah, he was at? Kind of. It's, like, it kind of before. gives me like this sort of more heartwarming thing towards him. Like he's a he's a likable character. But mm. I, actually if I'd watched this first, I probably wouldn't have liked him so much. Okay, so um I obviously wasn't watching Star Trek when this episode aired. I was still like shitting in my nappy. But um Nice. The I mean I feel like I still do that now, but uh, nice. <laughs> well, we're all headed back in that direction. So one day I will watch Star Trek when I'm, I'm shitting in my nappy. But I I will be long gone by then. <laughs> what you've done a runner or you've just Oh yeah, I'm in died? Mexico. Okay, so you've left me to fend for myself. <laughs> but I know that like Picard wasn't very popular. Really? Yeah, people didn't warm up to Picard. Well for the reasons that you mentioned like I can he, see he was why. very strict. He had this almost irrational hatred for children. Which if, I mean, if this show was being made right now, people would be saying it is a ridiculous plot point that this man has been given command of the, of the Enterprise D, the first Enterprise to have families on board. Deliberately, I mean, you're going to find out that there's classrooms and there's schools and everything on this Aww. ship. And I'd work on that. You could work on that, yeah, you could. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Even as like, not even a staff officer, just as a teacher. Oh no, I'd obviously also be a totally highly cheap, respected. Yeah. Totally be trying to climb the command ranks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't too popular. I don't really think... That it was until season, maybe season three, when um, Picard started to really climb the ladder with in regards to fan favourites. Because, I mean, Kirk was very popular, you have to remember. Mm. And then Kirk here had been replaced with a an older man uh, in the role who, as we find out in this scene with Riker, is not going to be going on the away missions and getting his shirt ripped and a bloody lip as he's getting into fights. You know, that's going to be reserved for Riker, who's obviously the, the stud on the ship. I mean, it's a little transparent at times. Like, when you watch it with TOS in mind, you can see exactly what they're doing with some of it. What do you think of the Enterprise D, then? Like, you were really excited that it came apart. Yeah, my God. And you actually thought that... Well, you said, I don't, I didn't know they could do that, as in Ooh. all ships. Yeah. But obviously, I, I state for you that they can't all do it. So good. Mm. It's cool, isn't it? Yes. It makes sense. Yeah, but then I'm wondering what happens with the disc part of it. Does it just sort of hang out until someone comes to save it? Or I can think it, it can, go it by can fly itself? around. Yeah, but just not at warp speed. Yeah, it can do like impulses, I think. Oh. I mean, there's there's full tech details for that ship, which people can correct us on online in the comments. But yeah, it can go at impulse. Oh. You'll see a bit more of the uh, of the D in its saucer section. You have to stop putting so much emphasis on D. Why? Because every time you, you think do I'm it, I'm going to laugh. No, but you like the Enterprise D. Okay, I'll stop then. Okay, that's fine. I'm, that's fine. Making it's just we're laugh. talking about a few Enterprises on this show. We have, Ooh, to, be, we have okay. to be very clear. Okay. You know, we've just been talking about the... The 1701 right now, which for the longest time everyone thought was the first Enterprise. Sure. And then the NX-01 came along, and that changed everything about Star Trek history. I've seen you with your eyes now, you just... Wait, did you not even realise that? Realised The NX-01 <laughs> hadn't existed before? Uh, anyway, your favourite parts of the episode then? I like the interactions between Riker and Picard, because they were surprising. I, to be honest, I just like all the stuff where they're going to planets and they're meeting people who are different from themselves. And hmm. you know what I'm like. Well, you, that's why you enjoy the episodic 
Mm. Very much standalone tracks, which is what I we're do. going through right I now. Is because I find it stressful to hang on to a story for a long time. And like we do enjoy that kind of TV, don't we? Mm. But there is a certain what they call it a security blanket or something mm. safe. But you know, like you have that that blanket that you can just you know you can get out and get under, and it makes you feel safe and comfortable about going to a standalone story that just delivers you the things that you. I bloody like. hate a cliffhanger. Oh, I hate a cliffhanger. Do you? I'm so stressed out by it. I'm like, just wrap it up, guys. I mean, that's good advice for anyone. Wrap it up. Yeah. Not just cliffhangers. No. Be careful out there, kids. Yeah. And, well, and adults. Hopefully mostly adults. All adults, actually. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but when I said kids, I meant, like, just anyone younger than me, because I'm 34. But now it suggests I'm encouraging Between 16 and 34. Yeah, between 16 and 34 in the UK. Wrap it up. Sorry, so you like the saucer section coming apart. Any other sort of favourite moments that jumped out? I really liked the bit where the aliens were reunited at the end. Oh, the alien and they were holding tentacles. Oh, they were. And they were like, I don't, what, are they getting it on? Are they like just holding hands? Gene Roddenberry was a fan of being able to put stuff into track that the network execs didn't realise he was putting like messages and stuff. So maybe he was just putting a, like, a sex in that none of us realised was a sex Subliminal in. message. It's a bit mm. of a perv, wasn't he? Gene Roddenberry. Mm. Yeah, it's like a... There's a lot of negative stuff out there about him which people like to ignore because of the legacy he's got. But no, he wasn't He wasn't a great man. Everyone put Star Trek down to him, but that's not the not the case at all. There was uh, several people who made Star Trek what it was. They don't get enough credit, in my mind. What about characters? Now, controversial, possibly. Okay. Q is a very interesting character. You like Q, not I controversial. Do. Q is a fan favourite. He's amazing. Hmm. I mean, he's a bit of a dick, but I'll take that with it, you know? I'll point out as well for anyone listening, as we record this, the episode of Star Trek Lower Decks with Q has not aired yet. So, Exciting. Yeah, so it's been revealed in the trailer and it's the Star Trek Day virtual presentations that Q is going to appear on Lower Decks in a cameo role, but we haven't seen it. So you've never seen Q before? No. Before this. So you like him? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I obviously hate him. He's a bad guy. But he's so theatrical. Yeah, and he gets more theatrical. I like that. I think Q becomes less of a menace as time goes on and more of a pain in the ass when he shows up. He's interesting, though, because he's so theatrical and he brings a bit of lightheartedness, but then at the same time, being like omniscient and whatever else he is, omnipotent or whatever, he's a terrifying character. Oh, yeah, he's all knowing. Like, he has the power to do... Whatever he wants. Yeah. It's it's only through the fact that he wants to play the mind games and stuff yeah. that they're actually even still alive. He finds them entertaining. Yeah. We find out a lot about uh, about Q as the show goes on. I was surprised. I thought he was going to be like a one and done. No, no. He's uh, he's back. Guy. He's back loads. I don't know how many episodes. You'll see him across all the shows. Hmm. Yeah. Except for TOS, obviously, because it was the first one. Obviously. T- decades before. Now, what other characters really struck a note for you? I like um, Diana. Deanna, you like Deanna. I do. So you've always, whenever you've heard Deanna speak, like if you've, if I've had Trek on in the back, like, and you've sort of been able to hear it, but doing other stuff, or when you watched Picard, you were mm-hmm. critical of Deanna's accent a little bit. Well, as you may or may not know, I am a linguist. <laughs> it was so stressful because I couldn't pinpoint it. I couldn't pinpoint what accent she actually has naturally or what she was trying to do. I didn't get it, but I actually, I'm warming to her voice. I really like her character anyway. Hmm. Um, I think she created the accent for this, but she kind of drops it. I can't remember if she drops it during TNG, but she definitely drops it, it during the movies. It must be very hard work. Yeah. I think she just stopped giving much of a damn as she got older. 
which I think that kind of sums up Marina Sirtis. She's brilliant. If you watch Marina Sirtis in like interviews, she's just this like loud-mouthed Brit. <laughs> she's hilarious. She I don't know. She's British though. She's hilarious. Because at some points I'm like, oh, she's Welsh. And I'm like, oh, she's Irish. <laughs> I don't know where she's from. Oh, she's Northern. Any characters who, I mean, we try to stay positive on this show mm-hmm. as best we can, given that we're risking putting you in front of some of the earliest <laughs> Trek that uh, this could become a very miserable podcast some, some weeks. But any characters who have to do more to impress you thus far um, or that annoyed you? Annoyed me? No, I, I'm interested in getting to know a couple more of the bridge crew because mm. I don't I haven't had much interaction with them yet none of them have particularly annoyed me it's nice to see Will Wheaton on yes, there too yes you know Will Wheaton from Big I Bang I do yeah. and he was such a cute kid yeah but he says that he makes a joke about it on Does Big he? Bang Theory. He's like, "What happened to him? He was such a cute kid." So everyone <laughs> says about him. Also, feeling the sexual tension between Will Wheaton's mum and yeah. Picard. Yeah, what is that about? Even now, was it thirty-three years later? We're still not sure. <laughs> is it just that Picard has sexual tension with anyone he wants to have sexual tension with, or is there actually meant to be a reason? Or is think, it her? I don't know. I think they were close before. I think you have to watch it. I can't really say anything without watching to find out so final thoughts on this episode comparing it to the one we've earlier spoken about where no man has gone before from tos i enjoyed it infinitely better okay than that fair fair just because i can't i can't get over the difference in production value i thought this one held up pretty well it doesn't always tos now some like when i watch it it isn't holding up as well I don't think any of the 90s Trek and 80s Trek is holding up as well as like Enterprise has. Because Enterprise went to widescreen and all CGI for its computer graphics. Whereas TNG is using models at this point. Oh, I forgot about Data. Oh, what about Data? You like I love Data. Oh. I th- actually, hang on. Hold up. I think he's my favourite. Oh, really? Yeah. Data? Yeah. After one episode as well. Yeah, because I... Because I'm taking it from, like, the view of Picard, which yeah. are... You know, I, I really like the Vulcans. I like how, like cut and dry they are so he's like next level emotionless yeah but also little tiny bit wants like he wants to be emotional when he's in the forest and he's trying to whistle yeah he's very much like the um the anti-spock in that spock was always trying to ignore his human side and his emotions and really sort of throw himself into his vulcan side his logical side whereas data by his sheer programming is logical but is desperate to experience emotion and to experience what it is to be human so it's a really such an interesting flip on them and Trek always continues to try and have that character in their shows but I don't think they ever top Spock and Data for that mm. for that particular aspect of the show and do you think that then with Picard that because when you watch Picard, you understood that Data meant something to those characters mm-hmm. in Star Trek Picard because that's what the show was telling us. But did you see it? Are you starting to see it more now after one episode already? That like, like you said, it's a prequel. Now you're gonna mm. now you're gonna get to find out how Data meant so much it's, to Picard. Yeah, it's nice for me because I'm the kind of person that doesn't like surprises. I like to know where the endpoint yeah. is. So occasionally I've read a book and flipped to the last page just to really? see. Oh yeah, I hate when I do that to myself. Yeah. It's wow. like when you're a kid and you search for your Christmas presents just so you know what you're getting and you can plan your shocked face. Oh, I never did that. Really? I'm saying that because my dad ah. often listens to my shows, ah. uh, as does my mother ah. sometimes. I don't do it anymore, but when I was a kid, I had to look for my presents. I'm glad you don't do it anymore because I, I wouldn't even know where to hide presents for you. The solution mm. is I just don't get you presents. That's easier. That's a really shit solution. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Okay, so... Um, but yeah, it's nice to see the journey. 
you enjoyed TNG episode uh, 101 and 102, I guess. It was a double episode, Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I get to bleep. <laughs> Might be the first bleep on this show. Fantastic. We're moving on now to Star Trek Deep Space Nine. First episode, Emissary. This was the second Star Trek spin-off of the live action shows. The third Star Trek show altogether. And the first one to move away from a starship. So a bit of a change for you, I guess, as yeah. well. Sorry if you're any noise, by the way, as well. Our daughter's here munching away on some biscuits. So I'm just going to do a quick rundown of the plot. Very, very quick. The idea is the Bajorans, who are an alien race, have been occupied by the evil Cardassians for over 50 years. The Cardassians have pulled out, so Bajor has asked Starfleet to come in and help them just maintain a presence in the area and help them with Deep Space Nine, which is the station that the Cardassians have left behind, which used to be called Terek Nor. Deep Space Nine is going to be led by Commander Benjamin Sisko, who we find out lost his wife to the Borg a few years ago and is now raising his child as a single father. He doesn't really want to be in Starfleet anymore, or at least doesn't want to be on this assignment. We soon find out that the Bajoran, well, some of the Bajorans are calling him Emissary, and uh, they seem to think he's almost like a chosen one for them. Then, um, when he's investigating an orb, which is like a, what would you call it, an energy thing? An orb of energy? Just call it, just call it an orb. <laughs> Everyone listening to this knows what the hell an orb is, a Bajoran orb. This eventually leads to Dax, who... Cisco knew from a previous host, Curzon, but not the new host, Jadzia. And they find a wormhole, which I think is the first ever permanent wormhole. Was that, that what they said it was? The first uh, that was in the same place and could just be activated by, I guess, flying in the right, the exact right point. I did wonder about that as I was watching it. I've never, I've never wondered that for all these years, <laughs> like how you actually get it to open. You have to do anything. They get swallowed up by it. And then uh, when they're inside it, they go through, they realize they're in the Gamma Quadrant, which is uh, very far away, 70 years or so, I guess, much like the Delta Quadrant. And then uh, when they go back, they get sucked into some weird, like Cisco's seeing like this barren world, isn't he? Whereas Dax sees this wonderful grassy fields and mountains, and it gives an idea of where both their minds are at. One's in a really happy place, one's in a really hmm. dark place. I didn't really, I didn't really understand mm. the... But the difference, Meaning yeah. It's, it's, so basically these alien beings start speaking to him and we realise that they must be the prophets who the Bajorans worship. And so they're the wormhole aliens. Cisco's trying to explain time to them. And if you remember, they say to him that they're not controlling what he's seeing. And he's seeing memories. He's seeing his wife talking to him. Like he's, people he knows are talking to him. So Cisco is like seeing these aliens as people that he knows from his past, like his, uh, his dead wife, Jennifer, uh, his son, Picard's there as well. Because obviously Cisco's got issues with Picard because Picard led the Borg when he was a Borg, uh, led the attack which killed Cisco's wife. And so the, the prophets, and uh, they say that it's Cisco who's guiding them through what they're seeing. So when he keeps seeing his wife's death, he's asking to be taken away. And they're like, no, you're the one keeping us here. And so if you think about that, when he was seeing all these like, all this destruction and stuff, whereas Jadzia was seeing all these like, this lovely, bright, sunny scenery. You exist here. Yeah, it, it was also that they were choosing that scene themselves as well, whereas so Cisco wasn't in a great place. This all leads to eventually Cisco teaches the prophets about time being linear, but he realizes that he hasn't been living time that way. It's non-linear because he's stuck in the past with Jennifer. Uh, eventually they get out. The Cardassians who uh, had their own ship disappear in the wormhole uh, were threatened to de destroy DS9 or take over it, basically, which was kind of rubbish, like the first day of DS9 being away from like Cardassian rule. <laughs> Suddenly, <laughs> Kardashians are like, oh, we're going to have this back. DS9 at this point had moved to where the wormhole was, and then eventually Cisco comes back out, towing the Kardashian ship with a little runabout, which is quite funny. And then Cisco, with his own whole new crew, decides that he wants to stay on DS9. And uh, they get the promenade up and running, so it's loads of shops and business and commerce. And that's it. That's the first episode. So, first thoughts, Katie. Did you enjoy this one? 
It wasn't my favorite one. Okay. We had a slight problem with this one because we had to watch it in two sittings because you got tired. Mm. But we turned it off at 48 minutes in, uh, which was, I think, exactly when Cisco went through the wormhole. So I think the wormhole had just appeared. And we stopped there. When we came back, it was straight into the, pretty much into like the profits and all that stuff going on with them. After you saw the first half the night before, you said... Oh, I'm really enjoying it, actually. I didn't say I was really mm. enjoying it. I said you I was said. enjoying it. Yeah, but then the second time, I think we came into it. You shouldn't have watched it. I don't think it's two episodes, and I think you struggled with it more. I just on, found it quite slow-paced. And... Mm. But you lost the build-up. Yeah, maybe. Because you hadn't watched it all in one go. And then also, thinking about the characters, like, you're giggling at them, and you're like, oh, look, oh, they look so different from, like, later on in the show, and I have no association with them at all. So all the people that you think are awesome, I'm like, are they? They haven't really done anything yet. I know. Yeah, like Julian Bashir, who's like, he's really young here and kind of a little bit pervy, I guess, <laughs> with uh, Jadzi, or he's eager to get on a date. But I know that like, I know he's much different later on. And so it, yeah, it is a bit like, like he has a complete character overhaul, it seems like. Dax, who I guess is like the first gender fluid, would that be the right term for a character that we have in Star Trek as a, as a regular character? I guess a part of me in the second half was a little concerned that you weren't into it as much as you were the day before. And I was kind of reassuring you that there's, there's so much more good to come yeah you're kind of overcompensating i think was i oh no and then okay. the next morning i'm bombarded with memes about cisco and i went down a rabbit I hole did not get it well, the thing is i just typed in like the cisco memes into google and oh uh, yeah i was down a rabbit hole at that if point. you have things to do don't do that oh because he was gone i think i lost you for oh while. i ended up in all sorts of um different franchise well within star trek like um star trek tng memes i was there i even was like i need to start an instagram account for all this stuff so yeah i, w- I was in a black hole but i remember sending you the cisco ones and they're ones like i've had it with these mother these motherfucking gemadar on this mother planet and you don't even know what any of that means and you were like how is Cisco so different in these to what I know? Because yeah. you didn't, you don't like Cisco, right? Is that right? I, I'm not fussed by him. Like you're like, oh, he's the best. Like whenever yeah. you talk about Star Trek, he always comes up. And Cisco's badass. I'm why. not getting it because like you always say that he's a badass, but at the moment he's just a guy to me. Yeah, there's a lot's gonna happen on this I, show. I feel bad for him. He's had a he's harrowing had a really life. Bad time. But he's got the darkest backstory of any of the Trek captains. Like he's of, not the, a captain. of that, you know, the lead characters. He's, just saying. Yeah. But like, you know, the lead characters, he's the, he's got the most tragic story going into their show mm. than anyone. Michael on Discovery does have a bit of a tragic backstory, but that came later. But of those like first five shows, Cisco's got the... Yeah, we like to see this straight off. Yeah. What I would have liked is if he'd been like a just a dark character for a little while and then maybe he'd met these people who had told him to let go and then we'd found out why. Oh, right. So you wouldn't you know, know why like was... a little bit of a mystery. But at the moment, mm. it's kind of like, look at all this bad stuff that's happened. And mm. now we're going to meet some people. And you're going to get over it like now because we just told you to. True. And he's like, cool. I kind of see that. I don't think it's like, no, I don't think he, well, we'll have to watch more episodes. I don't think he gets better right away. I think he's always no, dealing probably with not. it. Because he's always got the single father thing he's got to deal with. I don't know. Maybe it's like of the time that storytelling mm. just wasn't that way. Because we always get like a twisted backstory to someone now. Well, you have to we? remember at that point, you know, Star Trek wasn't serialized. So to have a an underlying storyline, like a mystery about the captain's backstory, the commanding officer's backstory wouldn't have been, yeah, wouldn't have been mm. of the times of Star Trek. That changes. DS9 does become the first serialized Star Trek show. The final 10 episodes of DS9 are one big 10-part. So, so favorite moments. You're not going to dwell on this one so much. The so favorite moments for you. 
I liked when he went to visit the planet and he met that woman in the temple thing. And oh yeah, yeah. Like I like stuff like that. I like it when they go and visit other people. Kaya Parker. Yeah. yeah. Good scene with him and Picard. Yeah. Frosty. Yeah. That was frosty. That was very frosty. I think that got Trek fans backs up back when they said like in. Um... Is it 1991 it might, might have started? I think like people were like, whoa, no one talks to our Jean-Luc Picard like that. Whereas Cisco does. And you're like, oh my God, this guy is. I guess that does make him kind of a badass, but it makes him a non-respectable badass because it's like, come on, hun. He was disrespectful given the chain of command. Yeah. But I can understand Cisco's point. And I, have a, I wonder if this was the first time Picard had ever come face to face with someone away from his ship who he'd directly affected by the Locutus thing because mm-hmm. like he, even though he's unwilling and and you'll see that episode on David, and he was, wasn't was a willing Borg, but he didn't seem to tell Cisco to sort himself out. And Picard's the kind of one who would just be like, you know, be professional, let's just get on with this. Whereas Picard seems to almost be thrown a bit that this has come up. It almost feels like he's fine with Cisco being that way, because he almost understands why Cisco's pissed off mm-hmm. with him, you know? So any other favorite Favorite characters then, actually? favorite Your favorite characters <clears throat> in this? Um... Oh, no one stood out yet. No. Wow. That's interesting because this show, of the shows we're doing on here right now, assuming we stick with all four and you don't make us drop TOS. <laughs> I just or this saw, one. I just saw this excitement. Or this one. No, um, GS9 does the best character work, I think, before we get to Enterprise. I like the melty guy. Odo. Yeah. Shapeshifter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's alright. The all melty right. guy. It's hard watching these early ones with his makeup, though, because he looks so different later on. I'll take your word for it. And uh, I think you can explain it with Odo. The reason he could look different is because... He's a shapeshifter. He's a shapeshifter. He's trying to perfect the way he's looking like a person. But of all the things he could have chosen to look like, why does he look like that? They talk about it in the show that goes on, about why his humanoid form doesn't look complete. But he's good at everything else. Not first by that hot-headed girl either. Oh, Kira. Yeah. Ooh, interesting one. Yet. Maybe I'll... She's very heavy-handed in this one. Mm. Like, she's overly aggressive, I think. Yeah. Than she needs to be. But you're warm to her. I think you'll like her quite a lot as the show goes on. I think the first year or two, though, she was very much like she was in the first episode. She is like one of the best episodes of season one, though. Duet. That's a fantastic episode. I look forward to it. Oh, you will. You'll love it. <laughs> I hope. Okay, so that was the DS9 opening episode then. So you weren't too impressed? I wasn't first. Okay. I'll give it a bit longer. You will give it much longer. Because <laughs> it gets really you hope. gets really good no, in season four. No, I'm only four. giving it a bit longer because you told me that it gets to be one of the best ones. So Yes, but you do need to get through a few seasons. They're not bad seasons, but... The good stuff comes in the second half of the show. I love putting in so much time to stuff. Yeah. To but then when you go back finally watch... get one good thing out. Yeah, of but it. when you go back and watch the early ones again, then it's it's like you see them with a whole new in a whole new way. Yeah, but like what? Like I feel sorry for them or like oh, no? As in, no, you'll you be like me. you'll enjoy those episodes more because you've got an attachment to the show. Okay. Yeah. You'll forgive it. You watch RuPaul's Drag Race every day. How dare you? No, I'm sorry. I come down to this. Whenever I put Harrison to bed, I come down. RuPaul's Drag Race is on TV. You cannot sit there and criticize DS9 to me and say you'll give it a little bit longer. Let's move on before we have a bit of a domestic. I can't even look at you, right? <laughs> so the last pilot episode or premiere episode, because um, these aren't some of these aren't really pilots because they already had a series order, I think. But yeah, the last one is Voyager, episode one and two, uh, Caretaker. So uh, I'm going to read the plot out for this one. And there's a lot more to get through in describing the events of this episode. So uh, I've tried to make it brief, but I mean, strap in, guys. <laughs> We're gonna... I, I reckon I could do it in like 10 seconds. Oh, well, that's not going to give much detail. Do you need the detail though? Okay, then. Okay, that's Challenge, fine. Challenge, you want to sign me? I mean, you went, you went for a run whilst I 
wrote up this I know. description, so it feels like I did kind of waste no, go on. a little bit more life. On. No, no, no. I now want you to do it, and we're going to time you. Okay. And we get the timer out. <laughs> you're gonna, so you're going to detail the plot in 10 seconds? No, I'm not going to detail it. I'm just going to say what happened. All right, okay. Let's see. Hang on. I'm going to change it. I'm going to give you one minute. <laughs> okay. Give you 60 seconds. Yeah. I think that's okay. more fair. I don't think you can do it in 10. Okay. Ready? Born ready. Steady. Do I stop you at a minute or do you just keep going? No, you can stop me. I'll be done by then. <laughs> I won't say that much. Go! Ah, okay, so um, really, really lush crew of people headed up by Captain Janeway, who I think is one of my favourite people on Star Trek so far because she's just feisty, um, end up going on this little mission and then they find an array and then they get transported into it. And there's like all these people sitting on a porch being really nice, like, hey, do you want some lemonade? And they're like, no. And then they go into a barn and they find out that there's some kind of weird being there and they end up taking away Harry Kim and then some other bitch from another crew and then they go back to their ship and they're like what are we going to do now so then they start looking for it and they find these people called the Ocampa who are on another planet where they think which is where Harry and the other girl are being held so they go there and they try to get to them but they realize they're in a subterranean land and then they have to try and get down there and then they realize that there's a whole fight about water and that the person who is in charge of everything is called the caretaker but he's actually going to die soon and then um he wants to keep the Ocampa uh, living longer because he is the one who caused them to have to go and live underground and then it turns out that he's going to die sets himself a self-destruct and boom he does it now they're like seventy thousand light years away from home and they've got to get back one minute and 13 seconds oh no way okay you would so, be a little closer if i hadn't have started it when you were sort of mid-laugh yeah. <laughs> in a way to an attempt to sabotage did you think I did well? I even remembered I really all the well. names. Yeah, I'm actually really pleasantly surprised. Thank you. So that would suggest that you enjoyed this one? Big time. We didn't really talk too much about this before. No. Sorry about that whole amount of talking. Yeah, I mean, i, I got to be honest, we would still be going if I was here right now. Yeah. I had a very detailed You can do yours too. No, no. I don't want to bore everyone. That's fine. If there's anything I missed out. It's fine. Maybe you need to do the descriptions every t- all the time now, moving forward. <laughs> right, we'll, get like like, a, we'll get like your your episode description. Yeah, but mine are like really chavvy and short and yeah. probably inaccurate. But it almost kind of reminds me of, you know, an Ant-Man? You know, his friend who tells him, starts to tell him the stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be like that. Yeah. And that's good because then it'll be like, it'll be like, what did you take away from the story? That's why I took away from it. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. No, it's great. Yeah. So there we go. From Thank next you. week, you can, unless you forget the storyline, in which case I'll do it. No, I'll write it down. Okay, wow, taking notes. I know. She's so ashamed that she's becoming tracky, guys. It's great. <laughs> I'm basking in it. Do you know I received a um, complaint before about, not about you. Oh, God. Uh, it was on my uh, one of my other shows, there was a complaint. I think I told you about this, about talking about our other halves as not being uh, track fans yeah, was yeah, derogatory yeah. to women, apparently, because women can be track fans. Well, It's not that women well, can't be no. track fans, it's just I yeah. was super not. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Anyone can be a Star Trek fan. That's the best thing about Star yeah. Trek. yeah. But I'm actually literally here right now doing a podcast where I'm getting my my lady, my better half, significant other into Star Trek. And you hate it, that you like it. You hate that you like no, it. No, well, the problem is, is that I hate that I was wrong. Oh my God. Did you just say you were wrong? I may have done. Oh my God. She's never even said this to me like on anything. And I've got it recorded now. I've got it, like, literally recorded. I know, you can't that's take why it I said it so slowly. I know. I hope the microphone picked it up, because you, you went so... I 
was. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I was wrong. I was so determined that I wouldn't enjoy it because it just is so not anything that I would normally enjoy. You need an open mind because they are dated and I think we went in the right way with you. Okay, but name like normal shows that I watch. Normal shows. Well, you were watching RuPaul. Exactly. Okay, so RuPaul. What do we watch together? Arrow, Flash... All those shows. Oh, yeah, that's not, yeah, but that kind of... That's not like Star Trek stuff. Though. No. Not the old stuff. Let's but talk like, Voyager, because we yeah. need for Voyager. So you said you enjoyed it? Yeah, I did. Okay. What did you enjoy about it then? It's a bit more action-heavy than... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, it's not end-to-end action from start to beginning. It does start off a little bit slower, but for the most part, it's got a... There's more of a tempo, like it feels like an urgency to the plot, which doesn't exist in... I don't think it exists in... Encounter at Farpoint, even though they're talking about being on a deadline with Q. I don't think it's really much of a dead... doesn't feel like an urgency in DS9's Emissary. Uh, I guess Where No Man's Gone Before kind of had that feeling like they had to stop Gary Mitchell, but you knew it was going to happen. Mm. But this felt like there was an urgency, like they needed to get home. And then when you found out the caretaker was dying, it was like, I was like well, now there really is a sense of urgency. So so what was your like favourite bits that made you like it so much immediately? I really like Janeway. Okay. As I said, yeah. totally couldn't not get past her at first being now captain of a starship, given that she later ends up in prison. Huh? Orange is the New Black. Oh, <laughs> I forgot. Sorry. It was just so hilarious because I made the first reference to I you know. about it being red. Yeah. And obviously I've watched some of this before with you. And then did I fall asleep or did I just so, stop yeah. watching it? So for, to be 100% honest with everyone listening, I've put this on for you before mm-hmm. and you kind of fell asleep. I know why. Because I gifted you as a birthday present yes. that you could show me, I can't even remember, like, like five, five episodes of Star Trek, Star Trek of your choice yeah. and that I would sit and watch them. Yeah, and this was one of them. Like, I thought, guys, that this would be one of the ones that would hook her. Because, as I've told you, I think Voyager, I mean, Voyager is nowhere near my favourite Star Treks. Nowhere near. But when it's good, it is remarkably good. But something about Voyager, just I, I think you're going to enjoy Mm. It looks just the right amount of cheesy for me. Yeah, I mean, it's there's too much technobabble even in this first episode, but I don't even know what they're going on about bioneural okay. packs. I'm just... I kind of got that, though. It made it made the ship alive, you know? Yeah, that's not really played on enough, is it? Well, not yet. True, true, time. sorry. Okay, yeah, I forget. This is all brand new for you. So. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Well, you really... You're Jeez. coming out defending Voyager. You're, you're a true Voyager fan. Mm-hmm. You're already, like, getting your back up and <laughs> going for it. Going for the juggler on me. So you like Janeway then? I do. So what do you like about her? She's quite relatable, I think. She's obviously got a family back home. It's not just like she's some like lone wolf, lone she-wolf. She actually cares about everybody, I think. And she's like a proper Starfleet captain, from what I know of Starfleet captains so far. Yeah, she's the first captain we got who didn't have any kind of tragic backstory, I guess. Mm. I mean, Kirk had lost some family. Picard hadn't yet, but he's got no children or anything, you know, and he's, he's married There's to There's something his... a little bit dark about Picard, though. Yeah. But he's married to his like, job, isn't oh. he? Whereas Jane, yeah, and Ben Sisko had, obviously, the death of his wife. Janeway's just a Starfleet officer. Her first command, eager to impress. Mm-hmm. New ship. And I just, yeah, she, I guess I can kind of get it. Like, I like Janeway in this one, actually. I thought Kate Mulgrew was sublime in some parts. Like when she has an intimate scene, she has one mm. with Tuvok, which almost gets ruined because of the 4-3 ratio. They're very close. When she comes up right into his face and says she's going to get him home, I mean, it, it's awkward because it's 4-3 and it almost wrecks the scene. Because before that, this, they were having a fantastic like 
discussion about being stranded out there and about Harry Kim and how she hadn't got to never gets to know her. Oh, that was crew. so so sweet. The delivery is fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it's really and it feels Heart so felt. genuine. Yeah. yeah, and they, those are the moments where I think Trek captains are the best. It's not when they're in the captain's seat and spouting out all the Starfleet Star Trek lingo. It it's the human moments. That's when you start to like them. And I thought she was really good in that. And I thought she delivered her speech at the end remarkably well mm. as well. I also love how she is so willing to jump into action as well. She quite happily handed the bridge over to whoever so she could go down to engineering when they couldn't get in touch with them. And, yeah. and she's she's recruited some criminal on her ship. True. So let's know? talk about Tom Paris. Yeah. Hunky monkey. Is he the hunk? Is I he think hunky? so. I guess so. He's meant to be. But is he hunky? I don't know. I really. never knew if he was or not. Yeah, he's I obviously think so. was meant to be um, bad boy. I mean, if we try to ignore the fact that he's a little bit rapey in the oh, shuttlecraft yeah, at the start, yeah, that's yeah, weird. with the um, the Betazoid pilot, that oh, was that. yeah. I mean, that was awkward. Yeah, that's really like uncomfortably awkward. Yeah, I if, think it, if I th- that if that were me, he'd get a slap. I think I've always thought that was awkward, even when I was mm. younger and like didn't and have much of a perception. And him with the holograph holographic people as well he's like mm. yeah yeah it's like hun is a hologram but here we go he's been locked up for a long time yeah sure so his libido is like running wild but it doesn't give him the right to get all rapey no. on is it stotty they call her or something i don't know, I don't know. The, the, the pilot so yeah paris actually for the first like 20 minutes of this episode maybe 30 is the driving force of the story, really. And I said to you, didn't I? I turned to you and I said, and I've watched this episode loads. Voyager was the first Star Trek show I ever was able to watch from start to finish. Well, from the start anyway, when it aired. I said to you, I said, for the first Trek show to have a female captain, it isn't half focusing on the bad boy male mm. lead. And that's, uh, that, I mean, that doesn't remain true for Voyager as it continues. Um, but in this first episode, I felt Paris was very much the... Everything was through his eyes. Yeah, but you know why? It's because he's a new character. He's new to everyone on the ship. We are being introduced to everyone as if we're a new person on the ship. We're seeing it through him because we have to be introduced to everybody through him. Otherwise, we'd just be plunked in somewhere we don't know anyone. True. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's the eyes for the new viewer. Wow, you schooled me just then. You can tell you've done a lot of these podcasts now. I'm just really clever. Oh, well, there, I mean, there... (laughs) That's up for debate. And but... I did media studies GCSE, don't Oh, yeah, know? yeah. Well, I was, I was doing it at uh, A-level and Bachelor Honours. What'd you get, babes? In what? Media studies. In A-level? Yeah. That's a funny story. <laughs> I went to three lessons of media studies yeah. and then did all the extra work myself. I And I got an A-star. <laughs> in my second year, I swore I was going to focus more on, well, film and TV studies it was for us. And I was really going to, because I dropped down to two A-levels because I knew what I wanted to go do in university. So I was doing drama and film and TV studies. And I swore I was going to pull my finger out and really make sure I was going to lessons more. And then I remember getting pulled in and getting told I had a 29% attendance Holy hell, where rate. Were I think you? it was 29%. I don't know where I was. I was generally going to college every day. Just not classes. Just not classes. Wow. She used to sometimes, we had a massive window by our like common room where we'd all like get to hang out in breaks and stuff or free periods. And there's a massive window there. And so sometimes she would just come... <laughs> She, my teacher would come by the window, look at me, exasperated, lift her hands up like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Just bang the glass. God, we would <laughs> so not have been class. friends in school. No, I always feel bad about that now, obviously, because you were your teaching in schools. So I know the rough so deal. Scary. And she was a young teacher as well. I got on real well with her, though. She was like my, she was my form teacher wow. when I was 11. And at this point, she was teaching me at 17 and 18. So she'd seen me like 
Corrupt to become a mayor. She, she must have been so pissed off. She must have been really disappointed with uh, you know how it I was turned doing out. in my free periods. What? After my, you know, my three A levels. Yeah. I was going to engineering club. Engineering club. Yeah. Oh God, you'd fit in well on the uh, the Voyager. Then. Yeah, right. E E S W Engineering Education Scheme Wales, and I won an award. Did you? Yeah. I didn't know this about you. Yeah, yeah, it's on Google. No way, it's yeah, on yeah. Google. You're I'm, on Google. Yeah, I'm in the Celtic Manor holding up an award. Oh my gosh, I know what I'm doing after this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go hunt this down. Anyway, back to Voyager. And so, yeah, what do you think of Paris then? Apart from the rapey, rapey. Yeah. Bit. Edgy bad boy. Mm-hmm. We'll see. He seems to be competent. Yeah. Chipping his shoulder. Yeah, a little bit. Very loyal to Harry, which let you know almost immediately that all the stories you were hearing about him can't have really been true. No. Because he was so loyal to Harry that. And Harry to him, actually, quite quickly. Yeah. I like Harry. You like Harry? Yeah. Okay. He's a sweetie. Yeah. And he's clearly like a little bit gullible. Yeah. He does get dragged into trouble. He's like, show, he's like, boy me. Oh. I get dragged into these stupid situations. Like if that Ferengi had come over to me and been like, hey, want some crystals? I would have been like, sure. You know what I'm like. <laughs> yeah, you would have. You would have been talked into it. You'd need me there as, as Paris to, to yeah. get rid of Quark. Yeah. yeah. Um, or Principal Snyder, as I like to always call Quark. Is Buffy. it Principal Snyder? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Wow. You remember Principal Snyder? Mind alone, yeah. I remember yes. what happened to him. Same guy. In fact, he started doing that after he was ready in DS9, so he was doing that on the wow. side. Yeah, I remember what happened to him as well. I don't want to spoil Buffy on the air. For... That was a side gig. Yeah, it was a side gig. A pretty good one. The fuck? Oh, bleep. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start like, marking it on the recording so I know exactly mm. when to go bleep. And so, what about other characters then? So you liked Harry, yeah, you like Paris, bad boy thing, Janeway's your favourite. Let's talk about Tuvok. Really don't know much about him. Mm. I was going to say that. I feel like we were supposed to be really, really excited when he turned up. But I was like, who? I think they kind of like the idea that they had a Vulcan who was like head of security and tactical. Because it was like, oh, what, he fires weapons and he's like undercover. Oh, they're like pacifists, aren't they? Yeah, it kind of clashes with what you think you know of Vulcans. I have never been a Tuvok fan. Okay. I spoke with this on The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast, about how like... For me, Paul is the best Vulcan ever in Star Trek. Hang on a minute. What? I can't have to debate again. Well, Spock's all right. What do you mean he's all right? Well, Paul's to Paul. Oh, she is quite cool. I like her journey. And Tuvok, I was always always underwhelmed. So I'm looking forward to rewatching this with you over the next... Don't like where to Paul ends up, though. Well, it's quite sad in the end, yeah. Sad place. Yeah. But with this rewatch with you, I'm hoping that I'll start to see Tuvok. Because I'm aware now that I... Wasn't impressed by him. I'm What's hoping I'll start to see What's the general consensus of him? Do people like him? Yeah, I don't know, because I've, I've kind of stayed away from the, the Voyager fans, because, you know, the fact they enjoy Voyager makes me think they're nuts. But no, I'm joking, I'm joking. I went through the same thing as an Enterprise fan when it was Aaron. And... I mean, I haven't had any love for any of the theme tunes like I have. I was going to ask you about theme tunes. What do you think of the Voyager opening credits? Can't remember them. You can't. It was like a sun or something, wasn't it? And they go past the sun at one point. It's like the first opening credits in Star Trek where they weren't just kind of like flybys of the ship or the station. Like, like there's something sure. was happening in every in every scene, every frame, first time. I like the music for Voyager. I always think it goes on too long though sometimes. I just don't remember it. Was really? I there? Wow. Huh? Was I there? You were there. You were there for all of it. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> okay. What about the ship? Do you think she's a sexy ship? Um, do you consider her a she or would you call her a he? Why would he be a he? Because Janeway's a woman and she's riding a man. Oh, God, that's not what I meant. I just oh. meant we call 
you know, men called boats and yeah. I think all transports are a she, aren't they? Yeah, are they okay. I just want to show because your car's a he. Well, this your current one isn't. No, your current one's called Ronda after Ronda Rousey. But uh, <laughs> just tells ones, you what kind of car I got. Yeah, the other ones were uh, were all male. So, are you a big fan of Voyager? I like the bridge. Bridge is nice. Bridge is it really is a good sexy looking. bridge. Do you know that for destination Star Trek for twenty twenty, which obviously COVID nineteen got in the way of all that stuff, they were going to have a Voyager bridge there Whoa. for photographs because it was the twenty fifth anniversary of Voyage. Oh my god! How now? I went. We went to Friends Fest. How excited I was for that! Mm. Can you imagine now? You were. I would be excited. Track convention for meeting the actors. Track convention. Imagine that. I decided as well. My Comic Con look or. Whatever would be Troy. You'd be a bit shocked to go into conventions. Your first introduction to all these guys is now in Star Trek when they're all young. And then you you get to a convention and see like... Who that? Like, yeah, like three decades older. <laughs> like even, even Connor hey, Trenier no. is like grey haired now. But like, what's his name? You showed me on... Oh God, Spock? what's his name? No. Travis. Oh yeah, Travis Mayweather. the same. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Montgomery. He hasn't... He should date. No, he just had a badass beard. Oh. Linda Park, who plays yeah. Hoshi Sato. I don't know how, but she looks younger. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Kazon? Did you, how did you find them? Are they the people on the planet? Yeah. Pretty brutal. Unfortunately, our daughter was making noises when they were talking about a little bit of the setup of the Kazon and the different sects. So you'll get introduced to more of that as the show goes on. The Kazon are a guilty pleasure for me. Now, they get a bit of a bad rep in Star Trek, but I'm a big fan of the Kazon. I was always freaked out by their hair, which I think mm-hmm. is actually sponges and stuff. What? Uh, bits and pieces in like sponges were painted. I always saw them as being quite similar to the Klingons, really, for like what they represented. That was that's I just my felt kind of bad for them because they're thirsty. Yeah, they're also dicks. How are they alive? I know, right? That's one thing that gets me right is this whole issue they had on the planet. There'd been no water. They're, they're suffering, yada yada. And then they have a ship that is the size of fifty voyages glued together. So where the hell just take the ship somewhere else? Yeah. Go get yourself some freaking water. Yeah. And then come back. How can't you make water when you can make a ship that big? Oh, how can you get the f*** underground? Y- yeah. Why can't you just shoot the ground from the... Oh, okay, let's not tear apart the, the plot. That's not why we're here. <laughs> so what I like of Voyager as well is the characters are quite interesting. They're a bit different. Like, Neelix is really alien. Mm. Really alien. Not fussed on him so no, far. No. no. Oh, th- it, this might be a long journey for you then with Neelix. Oh, God. Um, Kess is... Kess. I like that she only, like her people only live for like nine years. That's a nice little change. I'm guessing human years. So given how fast we move through years and shows, mm. is she going to be a goner fairly soon? Or... Oh, I wouldn't want to spoil it for you. I'm joking. I I had no issue with her. She's a bit like me. Okay. First episode. Wasn't in it too much though. So there's time. Mm. It's definitely time with Kess. But like the doctor who we barely see in this, the He's image. Great. He becomes such a, such a big deal as the, the show goes on. It becomes one of the one of the core characters. Chakotay, I remember always loving Chakotay. Chakotay did bugger all in this episode, though. He just moaned. He's just being like just a moaner. Yeah. He didn't do anything. Second in command. Paris was the lead guy. What the hell is Chakotay doing? Like, piss off, Chakotay. Whoa. Stop moaning and do do some do some freaking work, man. Prove it. He broke his leg or something. In oh the end. yeah, that was the first officer. Like he's filling the boots of Will Riker in Star Trek. And he breaks his leg Come on the on stairs. He, he, he should be the one saving Paris. Watch where you go in. Yeah. I did like that little dynamic with him and Paris, though. I like that rivalry. And I love that when Paris finds out that the McKee are going to join with the Starfleet crew and he's like, oh, I may need to have a security detail with me moving forward. And then Janeway's like, don't worry, Dakota's going to take personal care of you because uh, something about owing his life to you, whatever it was, on the thing. So as a caretaker, overall... 
thumbs up for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Definitely not a middle waving, like okay. top thumb. All right. So this is like a top thumbs. Mm. So how, where would it rank with all the other of the four pilots you watched? Oh, that's, that's, that's... Too soon to compare? I think it might be. Okay. I don't know. Because you know how fickle I am. When mm. I watch one thing, I'm like, this is the best thing yeah, ever. True. And then I watch something else, and I'm like, no, this is the best I mean, thing ever. I didn't ever. see any of this reaction during the TOS one, though. Oh, at, no. At no point did you even think it was the best thing ever. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm also easily pleased. So that no, well, that's not true. Really I'll tell you right now, that's that not is, true. That is true. You think personally, in your day-to-day life, you are easily pleased. I meant with television oh, okay. shows. Okay, there we go. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> I'm also easily pleased. So obviously every week now on her first track, we're going to be looking at, for the first while, it's going to be one from each of the first four track shows. And then it'll start to change when we hit two parts and things like that. But which show are you particularly excited to get to watch the next episode of? I think Voyager. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I love this thing that they're so far away from mm, home. And mm. like they need to get home. Whereas normally they're like out looking for something. Yeah. But this time they're looking for home. You did like and that I'm at like, the end. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. That's kind of sweet. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay, well... Find out in the next episode of, of her first trek. Well, um, it's going to take them more than 75 years at top warp speed to get home, so... Yeah, it's a long time. Unless they it's can find another way. It's not going to be solved in the next uh, next episode. No, I mean, yeah. And honestly, in regards to serialized storytelling, just throw it out the window. You ain't getting that in Voyager. What do you mean? It's, it never really becomes a serialized story about how they're getting home. It's the it's oh. the it's it's the overall plot line, and it's the it's driving not, force. It's not of the show. about the destination; it's the journey. <laughs> Look at you, you just defended the whole. Yeah, it is. It's completely about the journey, uh, and the, the voyage, the voyage, if you will. <laughs> for Voyager, for how they how they get home. Hosted by Katie Harbin and myself, Kyle West, her first Trek, a Star Trek review podcast, is produced by nerdsince86.com and is part of the holosuitemedia.com podcast network. If you would like extra content from us, including early access to her first Trek episodes, our Patreon-exclusive Her First Trek After Show, where we rank the episodes we've discussed each show, early access to Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast episodes, and much, much more, you can become a valued supporter of our show by signing up to our Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash nerdsince86 for more details. To keep up to date on all the news and updates from Her First Track, be sure to follow at Her First Track on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. To join the holosuitemedia.com community discussion group, simply type the Nexus, Holosuite Media's listeners community, into the Facebook search bar. Thank you for listening. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. It's a right way, but I didn't understand why she did it because that's never stopped her before. (laughs) Just like comes in like a bull in a china shop. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Stop your war. I'm here. (laughs) I have a problem. I need help.
It's like, forget your problems. <laughs> it's all about me. Thanks. My name's Captain Catherine Jane. <laughs> USS... <laughs> USS Voyager, problem solver. <laughs> and problem creator. <laughs> Loading Holosuite preview program for The Vedic Assembly, a Deep Space Nine podcast. Okay, now I have a theory about this. Mm-hmm. Just, this episode is called Investigations. Yes. Yes, just just bear no, with me. Indiscretions. Uh, Sorry, that was Indiscretions, yes. Yeah. Here's why I think he didn't kill Zial. It had nothing to do with him actually loving her. I don't think he is capable mm. of love. It has everything to do with him wanting to get in Kira's pants. Loading Holosuite preview program for the Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. We've talked previously about gratuitous, yeah, you know, just showing off Jolene Blaylock's bits and pieces, really, for no reason. That is one of them, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm a male, so that stuff is, at least at this time, was mostly targeted at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that she has not got an incredible physique, because she she does. Obviously, she does. But yeah. whenever I see those moments now, I just think, God, oh, so unnecessary. And I feel bad for Jolene. You know, like, did she get a choice? Did she mind? If she didn't mind, then I guess who cares? But that was really revealing, that shot through the sheet. It just seemed unnecessary. You didn't need that. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.